Good morning. Well, as you can see, I'm not Tim Harris, so uh, my name is Jason. Um, I am the youth and young adult pastor here at Woodburn Baptist, and I'm, we're praying that Tim continues to have a relaxing vacation. We're thankful that he has had the opportunity to get away, and I'm just thankful they have the opportunity to share with you guys what God has been putting on my heart for the past few weeks. I guess I need to apologize to Rod. I don't know where he went, but uh, I, we talked about this a few weeks back, the sermon, and I told him the direction I was going, and um, since then, God has changed that, so this will be a surprise to Rod. And um, I, th I, I struggle with that sometimes just because I feel like, you know, I had this plan and that's what, but so we're just going to go on this journey, see where God takes us and, and just kind of see what happens. But um, as I said, my name is Jason. My wife and I, if you don't know me, Kate, her name is Caitlin and we have three beautiful children and uh, our oldest is Charleston. She is six years old. Our next one is Lucy. She'll turn fi uh, five, she'll turn three on Friday and, um, and then Bennett. Uh, our son just turned one a couple weeks ago, so uh, our house is, you know, chaos right now, but it's fun. Uh, but our, of course, our son, he's, he's still little, he's still young, and, and the girls pretty much love everything he does. At this point, he can get away with a lot. He can, you know, he gets right up in there in their business, whatever they're doing, and, um, you know, most of the time, it's still cute. Uh, so he can kind of get away with that. Now, but the girls now, they're in a different stage of life, you know, so when they're playing together, it can go from love to war in a nanosecond and um and back again you know in just in just just seconds and it's just it's funny to watch sometimes as a parent it's sometimes frustrating but um they it, it's when i watch this what typically happens in this when they get into it or whatever you want to call it is charlie will usually walk away and sometimes she's just frustrated and fed up and walks away sometimes i think she just wants some space it's probably a good thing most of the time for her to walk away uh, but it's funny to watch Lucy because Lucy will just immediately run after her and, you know, come back, come back, I'm, you're, you're my sister, you're my sister, come back. And, and it's just funny because that's, that's her response every time they get into an argument. Every time they, they disagree, Lucy will run to her and say, but you're my sister, you're my sister. And, you know, Charlie will go into her room, maybe close the door, and, and they've watched Frozen a few too many times, so Lucy will go to the door and, do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> and so that's pretty cute. But, um, but she always ends it with, but you're my sister. And then, you know, so as, as, I've, as I've watched this over the, over the several months that this has happened, uh, I, I can't help but be reminded the, the power and the bond of family, right? The idea that, that the simple fact to her that they are sisters should just take care of any disagreements that they have. It should, should make it all where it should be okay, and, and it's because they're sisters, right? And because they love each other. And, and of course, that's true for all family members and, you know, extended family members. But I think that it's especially true for the family of God. That we are a family who should love each other in a way that no disagreement should come between the bond of brotherhood and sisterhood. And I think that's what God would really want for our church and for, for us as Woodburn and, and us as a church as a whole. And we need to be reminded of that, the fact that we are a family. If you are a believer of God, I know not everyone in this room may be a believer, but most of you are. And so therefore, we are brothers and sisters, and we should act like brothers and sisters. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to be looking at John chapter 15, but I want to share, you can go ahead and turn there if you want, but I want to share something real quickly in Matthew chapter 22. 
Just a quick reminder, this, this one you all know pretty well, I'm sure. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. This is where the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, are trying to trick Jesus into saying something that they can hold against him at this point. And, of course, Jesus knows what they're doing. But they ask this question. They say, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? They're trying to trick him into saying something they could use to, to kind of to get rid of him. Of course, Jesus knows, and he responds appropriately. And he says in verse 37, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So this is, a, first of all, a commandment, to, to love God with all our heart. And equally as important is to love one another. This is what we consider the greatest commandment and one that you probably have heard many times. Now, over the last several months, Tim has been praying and leading us through and toward this goal, so to speak, uh, we call Mission One. And there's a document, many of you probably have seen that, it, it was sent out, and if you haven't seen the Mission One document, uh, please grab one of us, I'd love to put that into your hands. But it's, it's essentially a document that kind of, we, we've looked at the, the state of the church of Woodburn Baptist right now, where we are, uh, what we need to work on, and then what we hope to, to be in the coming years, an envisioned future uh, that God is going to, to prayerfully lead us toward. And uh, there's, a, there's a line in that document under the, the summary of envisioned future, the very first sentence of that line, and it says this. It says, we are a body of believers characterized by supernatural unity and sacrificial love. Supernatural unity and sacrificial love. Now, this is where we um, are prayerfully going to be at, at hopefully a soon point in the future that we become a body of believers that when, when Woodburn Baptist is mentioned that people maybe instinctively think, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a body that's characterized by supernatural unity and sacrificial love. And now, those two descriptions, supernatural unity and sacrificial love, they sound amazing, right? They're, they're, they're positive, they, they sound, give us kind of the warm feelings, and they're uplifting, and that's exactly what we would hope to be. And, and it's a great goal for us as a church to, to strive for that, but it's not something that we could institute a program to achieve. It's not something that we can plan, and it's not something that we can create an activity that is going to produce or create supernatural unity and sacrificial love within this church. This is something that is going to take action and, and dedication on your part and your part and your part and, and my part. Every single one of us have to take the initiative and take the steps to begin the process of loving sacrificially and becoming united in a supernatural way. And, and so, we'll kind of break this down a little bit. I just want us to kind of walk through this together. Um, super, or sacrificial love, we, we, we know generally what the idea of love is, right? Um, of course, we overuse this word so much you know, because essentially we use the same word that we use to describe our feelings for our mom or our dad as we do, you know, our favorite food. And um, that's, both are great, right? We love, you know, we generally understand the difference between how we love our mom and how we love us some hash brown casserole, right? We understand that difference. There are two very different kinds of love. We really enjoy that casserole, but it's never going to mean as much to us as our mom and dad, right? Right? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I know some good hash brown casserole makers in this room, but it's still, it's different. We understand that different kind of love, right? But even in the, the scope of relationships, there's still different levels or different degrees of types of love, right? When it comes to how you love your friend and how you love your spouse and how you love your, your, your parents and those types of things. Um, you know, that, that L word, love, is very 
powerful. It can be used for great things, and it can also be used to manipulate. Um, we want people to, to like us, and we want people to, to care about us, and so when they use that, that special L word, it just, you know, gives us all the good feels, right? Uh, maybe that guy that you've noticed for, you know, months is, is finally telling you those special words, or that girl that you've been staring at awkwardly for the last few weeks is telling you those words. Um, it makes you feel good. It gives you good feelings, and the world kind of seems good in those moments. But then almost maybe as quickly as it came, it, it comes crashing down. I don't know, maybe the relationship didn't work out or, you know, weren't the people that you thought you were and that kind of thing. There's several scenarios that can play out. But now you've come down from this feeling of this bliss to kind of this, you know, cold feeling of misery. And that's kind of what we do as humans, right? We, we kind of ride this roller coaster of emotions and feelings uh, and essentially, it's because we on our own are incapable of truly loving anyone or anything. Now, don't miss or misunderstand what I, what I said there. As humans, we're sinners. We're naturally sinners, right? And so the truth is we are incapable of true love, true sacrificial love on our own. And, and we, ha we can have all kinds of emotions, and some of those emotions may last a lifetime. But on our own, those emotions ebb and flow in, in ways that are really just kind of driven by the circumstances around us. But what Jesus is talking about is a different kind of love. And he values, of course, loving him and loving each other as, as top priorities in our life. But the question is, okay, we, we understand that's what we're supposed to do, but how, how do we do that? It's, it's difficult to love some people, right? Let's be honest. It's, it can be difficult sometimes to, to love or to show love to everyone in this world. And, and, and the cool part about that is that Jesus tells us how we can do that. So to our passage here in, in John chapter 15. We're in chapter 15, starting in verse 12. And of course, this is again Jesus speaking. This is him speaking to his, to his disciples. And he says this. This is my commandment. Again, a commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you, if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command to love each other. Again, these are Jesus' words, and we've looked at the greatest commandment to love God and to love others. And this kind of sounds a little bit similar to that, right? But, but it, it goes a little bit further, and Jesus kind of explains it here. First thing, of course, is that he commands us <clears throat> to love each other. But the important thing to note is that he doesn't tell us to just just love and, and love like you're, you're familiar with. He says it a little bit differently. He says this, to love each other in a way that will last and that will change lives we love as Christ loves. That's different, right? To love in, a, in, in, in such a way that is going to last eternity and will, and will change the lives of those around us, then we have to love as Christ loves us, not in a way that is, is driven by emotion, but in a way that Christ loves. So, so what does that look like? He's given us the perfect example of sacrificial love to strive for, right? How does he love? He, he says to lay down your life for your friends. Romans 5, 8, Christ showed his love for us in this, that he laid down his life while we were still sinners. So, you know, when we think about it in that context, maybe take a look around this room, and can you imagine giving up your life for the people in this room? Now, prayerfully, and hopefully that will never have to be a decision that you have to make, but that's the kind of love that Jesus showed us is it's a unique kind of love, and it's sacrificial. 
So what does it mean to love sacrificially? It's, it's not as deep as we think. Uh, it, it's basically, you know, being willing to give something up in order to better someone, in order to love someone, in order to put them a little bit ahead of us. It, and again, Jesus is the best example of sacrificial love. And, and his, his ultimate sacrifice was for all of mankind. And he did that knowing that we were not worth it. We're not worthy of that. We are, we are sinners and we mess up, but he still did it for us. That is sacrificial love. And so he calls us to love everyone in this room the way that he loves, which is sacrificially. It's a deep, deep kind of love. So how, how do we do that? There's a, a few simple ways that we can do that. First thing that we can do is just listening to one another. Now, it sounds just like another easy answer, but it's it's a little bit deeper than just listening, right? It's going beyond hearing what someone is saying and truly listening to them. You know, because sometimes uh, it's getting past what the mouth is saying to, to get to what the heart is trying to say. Our mouths can deceive, and not even, not even on purpose. Sometimes we don't even know how to express what's going on or what we're feeling. But to truly love someone is to listen to their heart. Because ultimately, eventually, you'll get to know, once you get to know someone, you'll get to know what's going on inside. And so listening to one another is a way to love sacrificially. Another way is simply helping one another, just helping one another, even if that means you have to give something up in order to do that. We help one another. Another way is to encourage one another, just encouraging one another. Now, this is easy when we're feeling good, but God calls us to encourage one another all the time. So those moments when you're feeling low and you really need the encouragement— but you encourage others. I promise you it's going to make a world of difference in your life. But encouraging one another sacrificially means to encourage even when we don't feel like it. And then, of course, giving to one another. And I'm not talking necessarily finances, but just giving of ourselves, giving of our time and our energy and our care and our emotion to, to someone in order to just help them, in order to be there for them. See, we are called to give all the love that we can and then continue to give. And that's what Jesus did, right? It said to love like I love. So that's what we're called to do. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. Again, not, your, not necessarily your physical life, but your, your resources, your time, your energy. And he goes on to explain that while we deserve to be slaves because of what we, we owe him, he still calls us friends, right? You see, we owe him our obedience, but all he asks of us is to love. Love him and love others. That's what he's asking for us. And, and can you imagine what this church and, and all churches could be if that was the case for every single individual that walked through those doors, if we truly loved each other with sacrificial love that goes well beyond the surface, can you imagine where we would be and what we could, what we could do in, in, with God and, and just where he, what he could use this church for? And, and, and if it would lead us toward this path of supernatural unity that is the next thing that we want to talk about. And you might be thinking, okay, we get sacrificial love. Okay, that makes, that makes sense. So what is supernatural unity? We're pretty unified as a church, right? I feel like we are, we are a great body of believers, and we are very well unified, and we, we have goals, and 2020 vision was amazing, and watching God work through all that. And, and so I feel like we are a, a pretty unified church overall. But just like with any group of people, there are some divisions, right? Just, that's just the nature of people. There's differences of opinions. Uh, maybe there's some unexpressed ill feelings, um, maybe some simple misunderstandings that have, that have led to some sort of division, whether it's big or small. And so if we are striving to be a church 
of supernatural unity, then we need a type of unity that is unshakable, a type of unity that is beyond explanation, really, that people will like, how do they do that? How do they get along so well? This is a unity that can only be achieved by that first thing we talked about is each individual loving sacrificially, first of all. Because here's the thing. Supernatural unity comes when we stop allowing division in our family and we express only love to one another. It doesn't mean that you can't share your concerns. It doesn't mean that you can't share your pain and your hurt. When it talks about sacrificial love, that's part of that. But it's when we stop allowing division in our family. The idea of unity itself is pretty simple. When you talk about a group of people being completely united, completely united, it gets a little bit more difficult, right? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, he's writing to the churches. He said, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And, and of course, this is just one of many passages throughout Scripture where God is reminding the churches to, to strive for or to aim for or to pursue unity. And, of course, if it's mentioned, in, as we know, if it's mentioned in Scripture multiple times, then it must be important, right? This must be something that we need to pay attention to. And, of course, and if it's mentioned that often, it also might be something that we have to continually strive for. We have to continually remind ourselves. This is not just a one and done, okay, yeah. I'm going to do this, we're going to head this way, we're going to be united, and we're going to love sacrificially, it's done. We have to continually be, rem be reminded because, again, we live in a world where sin is rampant. We live in a world where division is, is all around just the next corner. And so the first sign of, of misunderstanding or division, then we need to recorrect ourselves and remember that we are to be united and supernaturally or sacrificially loving each other. When I was a little kid, uh, talked about the idea of unity. Um, first of all, uh, disclaimer, kids, do not play in or near the road. Just playing that, telling you that up front, okay? But when I was a kid, um, I, was, I can't remember how old I was. My parents will probably remember this story differently, but this is how I remember it. I was about 10, maybe 8, somewhere around there. And we used to live, all of our houses, my dad's side of the family, were all right together, right on the, on the busy um, interstate, not interstate, but busy highway. And uh, we all lived kind of right there together. It was really cool. We could all just hang out and be together all the time. But um, it was a busy highway. And so we knew, we were told and drilled into our heads, you know, from birth that you stay away from the highway. It's busy. It's dangerous, okay? Well, my cousin, we were the only two boys in, in the family, only two boy cousins. And he had a friend over. The three of us were playing in my, my grandparents' front yard. And, of course, we were told, as we went outside, stay away from the highway. And it, when you're told to, to not do something as a kid, it makes it that much more appealing, Right? And so um, I know, thinking back, I was just dumb, but we just eased closer and closer and closer as we were playing to the highway. Uh, eventually, we got up closer, close enough to the highway, it began to be a part of our conversation. Okay, well, okay, there's a few cars coming by. You know, I wonder how quickly we could just run across it before a car came. You know, maybe run back, run across and back before a car came and all this stuff. So we began to, to do dumb things like that all dumb questions, and so we began to answer those with a dumb way, and so we would challenge each other to run across this street and try to, to, to make it before cars would come. We live in a small town. Um, I forgot about that, and so pretty much every car was people that we knew, um, but I didn't know them until one car came along, and uh, I recognized the car, but I had already committed, and I was out in that road, and I needed to get across there. They slam on their brakes, and they're honking at me, and I thought, okay, I'm busted. It's over. I'm 
dead. And, um, but they just yelled. They said, get, get back in the yard. And they, they knew who we were, and they honked. And I was like, okay, we, we made it. We're not, we're not going to do this anymore. So I talked to my cousin and a friend. I was like, listen, we are united on this. This, this will never get out. This is it. We will not tell anyone because our parents will kill us if they find out what we have done. And so we became united for a common purpose, right? We were, we were not going to share this with anybody or any, anybody anywhere. Um, of course, before we made it back to the house, the phone had rung about 30 times. Uh, we didn't know this yet, but we were united. We were not going to share this. And we thought we had gotten away with the perfect crime. And we were not going to tell each other. We were not going to break this, this unity, this bond that we had created. Um, of course, again, somebody had called, probably several people had called and told parents that that was happening. And so uh, we were confronted. Parents pulled us aside and um, just basically kind of confronted us and wanted us to share what was going on. A lot of things were going through my mind. I'm like, no, no, no. We, we decided we're not going to share this. We're not going to tell. We did not go on that road. But then I got to thinking, you know what? The first one to break might get a lesser sentence. <laughs> so I bailed. I bailed and I told and I con- I told her everything, and it turns out I did not get a lesser sentence. But um, I, I bailed on the unified front that we were supposed to be putting. Now, of course, in this situation, it was good for me to tell the truth. Um, but the idea of, of breaking that unified bond, it wasn't because of something that, that you know, necessarily was an outside force. It was from within. I broke that bond. I disrupted the unity from within the group. And we live in a messed up world, don't we? We live in a world where we have junk coming at us from all angles. And as believers, there are so many mistruths or untruths and and stretched truths in our world that people don't know what to believe. And so when it comes to our faith, sometimes we're misunderstood, sometimes we're judged and mistreated and things like that. It's been the case for, for since the church has been in existence and it will be the case for years to come. But um, as believers... We shouldn't be causing that division from within. As believers, we need to be reminded that we are a family. Now, of course, we need to be every, holding each other accountable. We're not, I'm not talking about calling out sin. I'm just calling out, talking about causing division because we don't like something. We, as believers, need to be helping ease each other's burdens, not making them worse, right? The world makes life hard enough on, on us all without believers making it hard on each other. So we get plenty of hatred from the world. We don't need it from each other. And so to be characterized by this supernatural unity as, as a church, then we have to uh, kind of work toward and achieve this common goal. And to do so, we need to do it selflessly. It's not that we can't express our concerns, as I mentioned, or, or have different feelings. We're all different, and we all have different viewpoints, and that's amazing. But it's how we do that, Right? We tend to get so angry if someone disagrees with us that we don't even actually get a chance to talk it through and figure it out. But God calls us to love each other, and to love each other means to have hard conversations. It means to to talk through difficult misunderstandings and work it out. And so we don't leave each other hanging. We don't blame each other for things. We, We come back to this sacrificial love, and we love each other. Now, so if we, as Woodburn Baptists, are to be characterized by this, then, uh, then we need to begin loving each other sacrificially the way that Christ loves us, and that will lead us toward this supernatural unity. So I want us to just kind of 
think about something for a second. If you just take a minute to look around the room. I know this is uncomfortable, but we're going to do it. Just look around the room for just a second. Just look around and see who's in this room with you. Some of you maybe got in here early and didn't see who all came in. But now I realize, again, that not everyone in this room is a believer, but many of you are. Now, how many of these people do you know? Probably a lot. Maybe, maybe everyone. Um, but I, I bet there's a chance that there is someone, at least one person in this room, that you might not know their name. You might not know who they are. Uh, and then think about what about the other three services that take place on this campus every Sunday morning. Uh, two more in this room and, and one in the cafe. How many of those people do you know? I, I'm sure if there's a chance that you don't know everyone in this room, that there's a chance that you don't know everyone that comes to those services, right? And these are people who call Woodburn Baptist their home. We are, we are a family. Now, have you ever just thought about maybe, maybe trying a different service just to see who's in there and get to know them? I'm not saying, I, I know this is, just, this is just heresy right here to, to suggest this, but I'm just saying, you don't have to change it forever, but maybe try a different service out to see, okay, who is this? Who else calls Woodburn Baptist their home? I would love to get to know them. Do you know how many times I have been to Walmart or different places and introduced myself to somebody and they say, yeah, I, I go to that church, and I'm like, okay. I haven't seen you all, you know, and, and I'm on staff here, so I know that that's the case for a lot of us. We've, we might pass each other in the hallway, um, and, and hopefully we do, and we get to have conversations there, but this is a, a large campus that, that people come and go all day Sunday, and, and there's a good chance that we might know, not know each other. And again, I'm not saying you have to change your service, and I know some of you, um, you know, have made this your home, and some have made cafe their home, and that's great, but you don't have to love a certain type of music to love the people in that room right? And the thing is, we can't really love them if we don't know them. How do we do that? How do we actually sacrificially love each other if we don't even know your name? It's, it's difficult. It's, it's actually not possible. We can't do it. So right there, we're all sinning, right? We're all falling short of this commandment that he has given us to love each other as he loves. Now, I know that makes us a little uncomfortable to think about that, but, and, 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 I, and I know that this this whole idea of being uncomfortable is not, not good in church. We don't feel like that. But it's time we start getting a little uncomfortable in order to begin to go where God wants us to go. Does that make sense? We, we, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be out of our comfort zone a little bit. I know some of you are probably thinking this, this is not towards me. This is, he's talking to this guy next to me, I'm sure. Um, and, and, and maybe I am. Maybe I'm talking to you, though. Um, but you, you may think, okay, well, I don't know that person's name, but I do love them. I love them. And, and I know that that's a great sentiment, but it's difficult and nearly impossible to truly love someone if you have given nothing up to get to know them. Now, we haven't even sacrificed a couple minutes of, of comfort to walk across the room and introduce yourself to them and get to know their name. And, and, you don't have to be best friends with everyone in this room or everyone in this, on this campus. I'm not saying that. I, I would love for you to. But we are called to love one another. We are commanded to love one another. And so we need to begin to start loving. And that first step to loving someone is just learning who they are, learning their name, getting to know each other. And whether, um, you know, if we're going to start moving Woodburn Baptist toward this envisioned future of sacrificial love and, and supernatural unity, then we have to love each other sacrificially, not just exist together, not just worship in the same building or in the same campus every week. Now, some of you might have looked around this room and 
you saw maybe a few people you didn't know, but you saw a few people that you, you know, but you just don't really like. Um, and you use that church saying, well, I don't like them, but I love them in Jesus' name. <laughs> and that's very sweet. But if you don't like someone, can you truly sacrificially love them? I mean, you can't, the thing is, we can't have ill feelings between us and truly sacrificially love. I'm not saying you can't disagree, but it's what you do at that point. How do you create, I guess, recreate or mend or whatever that bond? Because you have to do that. We can't have ill feelings. We can't have division within the church and be supernaturally unified. Now, I'm not saying that your dislike is not justified, right? I get it. We are humans, and, and people hurt people. Sometimes it's on purpose, but more often than not, someone is, is offended or hurt because of something somebody said, and they didn't even mean it, or they, they didn't realize it. And then that hurt is not addressed, and it becomes, you know, kind of this division that you just can't get past, and you have these ill feelings the thing is, we have to forgive, right? I know it's hard, but you have to forgive in order to truly love. In order to achieve supernatural unity, we have to forgive one another. Now, I know it's harder to forgive when that person is showing no remorse. That's difficult, but you can't control them. You can only control you, right? All you can do is, is approach them and let them know, hey, this hurt my feelings. It's awkward, I know, to tell you this, but this hurt my feelings, but I forgive you for it, and actually forgive them, and then start loving them sacrificially. More times than not, I guarantee you, they're going to be like, oh, I, I didn't even realize. I didn't know that that hurt you. And if they don't, if they say, you know, that you deserved it, then you still love them. You turn the other cheek, and you still love them sacrificially. Remember, Jesus commanded us to love each other, not just to love, but to love as he loves us. To love each other in the same way that I have loved you. We are filthy sinners, and we have hurt Jesus in so many ways every time we mess up. But he chose and chooses to love us anyway. He loved and still loves us sacrificially. Again, remember, we are a family of believers. We are brothers and sisters. Charlie, my daughters Charlie and Lucy might hurt, hurt each other's feelings at times. And they will and they have. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, they're going to swallow their pride, and they get over it because they are sisters. They love each other, and they will ask for forgiveness, whichever one. They will ultimately eventually ask for forgiveness because, again, they are sisters. And we all know that family sacrifices for family. You may have to swallow your pride to love someone, especially to love them sacrificially, to love someone who hurt you. You may have to step out and, and, and get uncomfortable or maybe even be mocked in order to love someone. You may have to give up some of your time or your energy or your interest or your social status maybe even to love someone. But that's what he's commanded us to do. That's what he has called us to do. See, Woodburn Baptist is a body of believers. We are a family, right? We are a family and we are called to love each other sacrificially because, well, because we are brothers and we are sisters and family is worth sacrificing for. He didn't call us he didn't just say, go love and, and figure out how to do it. No, he, he told us how to do it. He said, I'm going to live as the example, follow me. This is how you do it. It's not easy. He didn't say it's going to be an easy road. He never promised us that. But it is, he gives us the perfect example of how to do this. And all we have to do is be willing to take that first step and, and get to know someone and begin to love them. He'll give us the strength to do that. He'll give us the words, the actions, whatever we need. It's not always easy. I mean, even Jesus begged God to take this cup of suffering from him, right? 
in the garden before, before the crucifixion. But, of course, we know that he ultimately asked God, your will be done, not mine, because he was called to love sacrificially. So my question for you as we wrap up is, who do you need to show love to today? You know, how can we become this church that is characterized by supernatural unity and sacrificial love? How can we be identified as a true body of believers, a true family, if we are scattered around with no real connections, if we are just four different bodies that come to four different services? How can we become a, a unified church that is unified sacri- uh, supernaturally and, and we love each other in a way that is noticeable, in a way that people take notice of. There's something different about how this church and how these individuals love each other. Maybe you realize this morning that you've been loving conditionally instead of sacrificially in one or more areas of your life, maybe. Maybe you need to offer forgiveness to someone today in order to, to, to get rid of that division. Maybe you're in here today and you realize that you have never asked Jesus in your life and this whole family thing sounds like something that you want to be a part of. We would love for you to talk to you more about getting to know who Jesus is personally. Whatever it is that you need this morning, this altar is going to be open. If you want to be part of a growing church that truly makes a difference in your life and in the lives of those in this community and in the world, then we first have to be truly willing to love each other sacrificially. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for being the perfect example of what true love is all about, God. I thank you for loving us in a way that is so supernatural and beyond explanation, but is so beautiful, God. I thank you for being that perfect example that we can choose to follow, God. And I pray for each individual within this church and that worships on this campus every week, God, that you would just help us to begin the process of loving every single person sacrificially the way that you have taught us and commanded us to do, God. Uh, We pray for that day when this church becomes characterized by supernatural unity, God, and sacrificial love. We look forward to you leading us to that point, God. We love you and we praise you. Amen.